0: This is The Dungeon Master's Handbook. Hello and welcome. I'm Michael Shorten, also known as Chicago Is, and this is episode 34, Demystifying Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and we're going to be talking about evasion and pursuit. This episode represents a bit of an experiment. For those of you that are listening to the podcast, I'm also live streaming the actual recording for the first time. Uh, if you are watching on Twitch right now, or if you stop by to watch, thank you. Let me know what you thought. I really hope you all are doing well in these times. Um, This is really, this is really pretty hard. I have my wife, my son, and two granddaughters here with me, and uh, we're making do as best we can. Uh, Kids are doing remote learning, I'm working from home. I'm lucky enough to be able to do that, and the same as my son, but uh, it's pretty hard. I've been gaming a lot more, surprisingly, both as a DM and as a player i've been playing in carl rodriguez broken lands game now this is a game that's hosted on the audio dungeon discord he runs it uh every monday night and what's unique about this is we are actually playing humanoid races of orcs goblins kobolds and bugbears it's based on one of the Mistara gazetteers i think number 10 the orcs of thar and uh it lays out how you can be, you know, a humanoid PC player, and it's been a really fun campaign. I've also started playing in an od play-by-post hosted by Starbeard, and he is from the od 74 Pro boards. So you've probably heard me refer about that wonderful little corner of the internet at a time or two on on previous episodes. He wanted to have a drop-in, drop-out kind of uh, game on Discord, doing his play-by-post. So I hopped in and having fun. I also find that I'm running quite a few more games than I thought I would be. My regular monthly AD&D tabletop campaign just went virtual this past Sunday. Uh, We had a great game. Everybody, or a lot of people got together. Uh, We did it over Zoom and Roll20. Technology seemed to work out okay. Everybody, you know, got a little used to it, but uh, it was a fantastic game. And my bi-weekly Tuesday game, on Roll20, which I've been doing for over a year now. That's still going really well. Let's see, I'm also running my Family 5th Edition campaign, my wife's one-on-one O&D campaign. That happens about every couple of weeks or so. We're we're due for another game soon. And I'm also running some mini campaigns and one-shots. And uh, the three play-by-post games that I'm running also have gotten a couple of new players and there's lots going on there. I am, I am doing a lot, so um, a lot of gaming, no miniatures painting, so um, uh, yeah. So anyway, let's dive into the topic of this episode, which actually comes from the AD&D subreddit group on the website Reddit. A uh, user by the name of, I'm going to probably mispronounce this, dasberjuden31 asks, and I'm going to paraphrase the question here. I've been reading over the rules for pursuit in the Dungeon Master's Guide and they seem needlessly complex. How do you easily determine if a group of enemies will pursue your players when they flee? How long do the enemies pursue until they give up? Do you have a simplified system in place for determining how much distance is between the enemies and players and how quickly that gap is closed? I've been over the rules so many times I have a headache, I just keep thinking there has to be an easier way. Those are great questions. Uh, And to be honest with you, what I love about uh, seeing some of these questions is it gives me a chance to really dive in deep and look at what are the rules as written, see what maybe I've missed, um, and and think about what I do in my game. So I've kind of done both, I've done the rules as written, and I have a somewhat simplified system that I use, and I'm going to share all that with you. But first, let's go to the Dungeon Master's Guide and take a look at the rules as written. So for those of you that are first time listeners, I only use the core rules of AD&D first edition in my campaign. Um, so far, I don't include anything from Unearthed Arcana or Dragon Magazines unless there's been a lot of discussion, unless I do playtesting, and unless it's something that is really a need in my campaign, because the house rules that I do have are tuned to make ad and in my homebrew setting mesh. It reflects things that I've chosen for my setting, such as how I handle paladins, for example. I do have variations to the core rules, but by and large, it's my own creation or inspirations that I've gotten um, from various places. Uh, I've never saw a reason or, or been interested in including Unearthed Arcana or any of the you know many dragon magazines, but you know, it, it, it may happen. Anyway, so we're going to look at the rules as written, and Pursuit and Evasion are found on page uh, 67 through 69. Now it breaks it down into two possible scenarios. Is the Pursuit and Evasion taking place in a dungeon setting? or is the pursuit and evasion taking place in the outdoors? So dungeon pursuit, by the rules, works like this. First you figure out the encounter parameters itself, so like, you know, was either uh, party surprised, how far away are the groups from each other, you know, the usual things that you do by the rules. And then you ask some questions. If the PCs are wanting to run the way, will the monsters pursue? And the way the rules are written is it's based on maybe the dungeon key says that, you know, for sure they're gonna pursue or maybe they're never gonna pursue. If you don't have a specific scenario, then you look at the monster's intelligence and the situation that you find yourself in. You know, what are the party sizes, what's the likelihood that the monsters could overcome the PCs and so on. There's some different um, variations and questions to ask in the rules. And then you throw dice to see, will the monsters actually pursue? And it's based on a percentage. If pursuit happens, then you have to look at who is faster, because who is faster is going to dictate how long pursuit happens and under what conditions it may end. If pursuit is happening, then there are things that can happen that will cause distractions. Things like the PCs using doors, perhaps they'll quick slam a door shut. Um, Or distractions, maybe they're gonna drop food, drop treasure, drop the halfling, you know. (laughs) Whatever they're gonna try to do to shake uh, the, the monsters chasing them. For each round, what you're supposed to do, by the rules, is you map out comparing the slowest PC to the fastest monster. Now that probably means that if you have a mixed group, your party is going to end up spread out with your speedy people down the hallway and your heavily laden paladin who's in plate mail and is only moving 3 inches around uh is lagging far behind, but when the fastest monster catches up with the slowest PC, then you've got combat. Um also, in a dungeon pursuit, you don't you're not mapping. You're describing the layout to the players and you know, you're running down a corridor, there's a door to your left, you keep going, yes, okay, you you, know, you come to a chamber, there's an exit in front of you, the exit to the left, which way are you going to go? You don't describe anything unless it's something that, you know, would physically stop them. So that's Dungeon Pursuit. On the surface, it doesn't sound too complicated, but when you get into the rules, there's it can seem a little overwhelming. But let's take a look at the rules as written for outdoor pursuit. Now, interestingly, you would think that outdoor pursuit would maybe be more complicated, but it's not. It's actually a lot more simply stated. First, you figure out the encounter scenario. You know, again, is there surprise? How far away are you from each other and and so on? And if it's not a case of surprise, then you have a math problem to figure out of the percentage of someone evading pursuit. So let's say the PCs wanted to evade pursuit. There's a base 80% chance that they might be able to evade an encounter outdoors, but it's modified by four things. The, The comparative speed, so you know, who's the fastest, the terrain that you find yourself in, the size of the parties, and then what are the lighting conditions. And so you adjust your base chance based on those factors. And there's, again, it's on page um, page 69. It's a very simple chart, maybe about a paragraph long. And then you roll your D100. If you get equal or under that modified percentage, then that means that evasion was successful. Otherwise, you're supposed to recheck every hour to see if, did the pursuers catch up, maybe because they're faster, or you recast the dice and see if evasion continues or if, if they were successfully evaded. Um, now, interestingly, because what comes to mind might be the the uh, pursuit in the two towers where Gimli and Aragorn and Legolas are pursuing the orcs, uh from Isengard who are carrying actually be Urakai of Isengard who are carrying away the uh Pippin and, and Mary. And you know the the they're running and running and running for hours and days it seems like. Um, the Dungeon Masters Guide doesn't give any guidance on that. Uh, there's nothing about what fatigue is, when you're gonna get fatigued, when you will, you know, hit exhaustion. They leave it as an exercise to the DM to figure out. Which Okay, you know, then that does give you a little bit of possibility. Maybe you do want it to be fantastic to where you could have somebody run for hours on end, or maybe you want something a bit more realistic. So those are the two scenarios. That's the way the rules is written, lay them out. It can be a little complex because the way the rules give it pursuit and invasion become a type of a mini game. Uh, you know, how how fast are you going versus your pursuers? What kind of terrain are you in? You know, if you're underground, are you going to run to a door and slam it shut? And so there's all kinds of things that you can do during that. And they lay out some guidelines on dice rolls to use. Because it's AD&D, and because we're in the first edition, and we're talking about high Gygaxian, I, I think that reading those rules might make it a little overwhelming to have to figure all this stuff out and run the Pursuit Evasion minigame, especially if you're coming from a more modern environment where all of this stuff may be summed up with a couple of dice rolls, or you come from, say, a basic D&D approach where things are pretty simple. In fact, when when you read the 1981 Moldvay Basic Expert D&D rules, really Pursuit and Evasion comes down to two things. First. Is it a monster reaction check? Do they pursue or not? Secondly, who is uh, who is faster? And if the PCs uh, get out of sight, then they evade. And really that's about their, all there is to it. Now here's another interesting point while I was researching this. A lot of times when AD&D is complicated and complex, whether because of the rules being spread out all over the place or just the language, Um, I use Osric. Now Osric being a modern retro clone quite often will lay things out in a language that helps to clarify maybe what the first edition rules had. But in this case, Osric has absolutely nothing about pursuit and evasion. The only thing they mention is that one has to uh, rest for a couple of hours after pursuit and evasion occurs. Thanks a lot, guys. So, getting to the question of what do I do? So, I've done the rules as written for Outdoor Pursuit, in fact, I just did it recently with one of my uh, solo play-by-post games, and the reason I do it, the rules as written for outdoors is because it's really easy. It's just a table, it's just a percentage roll with some modifiers, and it's a pretty straightforward calculation. So, let me give you an example, and this is from the, uh, uh, from the game I did. The PC is Bell elder he is on horseback, and he's riding through the plains of Aresia on a solo scouting mission. It's midday, he encounters a group of 12 goblins riding on wargs, and I determined that neither group was surprised. So according to the rules as written, for an outdoor encounter, you can be anywhere from uh, 6 inches to 24 inches apart. And in this case, the distance between the two groups was 19 inches. Well, Belder decided that since he's by himself, and discretion being the better part of valor, he decided to evade. So I looked at what the uh, speeds were. Now Belder's horse was a light war horse, which moves at a speed of 24 inches. The wargs moved at a speed of 18 inches. So. Got all that set up, now let's figure out what is the likelihood of evasion happening. The base chance, according to the rules, is 80%. In this case, the first thing I'm going to look at is the movement speed. So since Bell is faster, that gives him a bonus of 10%, so now it's 90% likely that he's going to be able to evade. What's the terrain? It's plains, open grasslands, that penalizes that uh, check, by 50%. So now the base chance is 40% that Belldor is going to be able to evade. Since Belldor is only one person, he gets a bonus of 10%, so now we're up to 40%. The total number of creatures, goblins and wargs is 24, so now we're going to deduct 20% from that chance of evasion. So now we're so now we're at a base of 20. Okay, got that. <laughs> it takes a little, it takes a little uh, going, uh, and, and I'm going here and got the math. Yeah, yeah, forty. Yeah, so oh, so we were fifty. So it's actually thirty percent chance of evasion. Now it's full daylight, so deduct another thirty percent from the, the modification, which now puts us at ten percent of a chance of evasion. I did the roll. Elder did not get 10% or less, so he cannot evade the goblin party, so now it's a matter of speed. And to be honest with you, I jotted this down on a piece of paper, went over the math twice uh, when I did it, and that's how it turned out. Remember that in the case of pursuit, the pursued party moves at its slowest rate, and the pursuers move at their fastest. Here, though, I didn't have to keep track of the mix out because there was only one in one party, Bellodur, who was in a faster horse, and I had the slower um, where uh, it was the wargs and the goblins, but they were all at relatively the same speed. So, Bellodur, for that hour, was able to keep the distance between him and the wargs. In fact, he was able to increase it because of his faster speed. The rules say that you recheck after every hour, and if for whatever reason the result is zero or less, meaning that there's absolutely no chance of evasion, then a confrontation happens. Now, I don't think that's correct as it written. I really think that what they meant is that if the adjusted chance is zero percent or less, pursuits are gonna be automatic. The is uh, not gonna be able to, to evade. So we got the situation, the goblins are chasing uh, Elder. slowly and slowly the goblins are falling behind, at what point then do the monsters give up? Well, the rules really don't say. They assume you're going to keep rolling this until evasion happens. I don't agree with that. So I usually add in a monster reaction check to see what they're going to do. Now, my reaction checks are based on 2D6. They are based on the basic expert rules. It's just something that I've kept. AD&D uses percentage rules with a lot more modifiers. I haven't adopted that yet. So in this case, because Belder was faster, after that hour, I did a check on the goblins Do they feel like they have a chance to catch up to Bellowdurt? Well, no, they can see him getting further off in the distance so it was less likely that they were gonna be able to pursue. Uh, I rolled the check, they actually did make it. So another hour passed, I checked again and this time the goblins did not uh, choose to continue pursuit so I broke it off. That's quite a bit to have to do. And again, it's a little bit of a mini game there which is okay, you know, it it doesn't have to be dry and boring, you know, you can throw some things in there as a DM, you know, asking the players, hey, what are you going to do to maybe help your chances of evading, how are you going to deal with the situation, and so on. Now, remember that I said that the Dungeon Master Guide is vague on handling fatigue. What I do is I make an assumption that the more you run, the slower and slower you're going to get especially outdoors. You know, indoors, and we'll, we'll hop to example of that real quick, that tends to be over a lot more quickly, more confined space. Uh, there's a lot tighter restrictions on how far away you can get before pursuit is automatically broken off. So usually it's a matter of a few rounds. but outdoors, you could go for hours. So I have a rule of thumb. Each hour of evasion and pursuit, you deduct a cumulative inch from their movement rate. So the first hour running, you deduct an inch from the movement rate of both parties. In this case, after one hour then, Bell Elder is gonna be moving at 23 inches. The Wargs will be moving at 17 inches. Hour two, you deduct two inches. So now, instead of being uh, 23 and 17, it's gonna be 21 and 15 hour three you deduct three inches and so on if you get to the point where they hit zero inches then they're completely exhausted and they cannot move anymore Uh, they have to rest i believe the dungeon master guide uh, gives me uh, i think it's a couple of hours i'd have to find that it's in the outdoor movement if they get into combat while they're exhausted, then combat's going to be a lot harder. Usually, I'll penalize them maybe with a minus two to a minus four on to to hit for melee and missile fire. Now, I don't necessarily do this for every outdoor encounter. Um, I kind of play it by ear. It, you know, is this something that is going to be cool? Is it something that makes sense? Or is it more likely that the monsters are going to look at the size of the PCs and go, nope, we're not messing with them. You know, is it more likely that the monsters may be successful? You know, if the PCs are slogging through a deep forest and they stumble on some monsters who are woodland creatures, very adept at going through a forest, then maybe it's more likely that they might pursue versus... You know, here out in the plains when the goblins could see that they were never going to catch up. I like to let the monster reaction roll dictate to me what's going to happen. And then usually what I'll do is, is depending on the situation, I either have to roll really high for them to continue pursuit or roll really low for them to decide that they're going to let it go. Okay. With me so far? Now let's talk about indoor evasion. How do I handle that? That one's a little tricky because I I kind of agree with the uh, my Reddit user friend that it the way the rules are spread out. I mean, there's almost two solid pages. Of information on what you have to think about. Now, a lot of it is just rules, like on, hey, here's how to handle if there's a door in the way. Here's how to handle if you're dropping food and treasure. And that, that's nice, you know, uh, kind of you know, inspiration for the DM to grab to. For me, then um, I, I use kind of the same approach that I do for the outside. You know, is there a speed difference? What is the situation, and what's the monster's reaction check initially off? Um, and, and, and I keep three things in mind. If the monsters are likely to pursue based on the situation, then I'll use the 2d6 reaction roll to decide. Uh, if the situation favors the monster, then I have to roll low, meaning uh, a bad reaction for them not to pursue. Maybe they just decided they didn't want to do it. If the situation piece favors the PCs, you know, the PC have a very strong party or they're in a tactically better position, then I have to roll high for the monsters to decide that they will pursue should the PCs decide to run. Point number two I keep in mind. If the pursued are faster than the pursuer, so if the PCs are running and they're faster than the monsters, once they get a hundred foot separation or five rounds have passed, then the monsters give up. If the pursuers are, that's point two. So point three is if the pursuers are faster, then the PCs need to do one of two things. They need to somehow physically keep the pursuers from continuing to pursue, meaning they're slamming doors shut, they're throwing treasure down, they're throwing food down to distract the pursuers. And by doing that, they need to get 200 feet of separation. Once they do that, then pursuit is broken off. And really when you get down to it, that is the rules as written simplified. I just don't do a lot of the extra stuff. I I try to keep it simple in my head. Now, I do, though, have to kind of keep track on the map, you know, who's fast, who's slow, because especially in a dungeon, usually you've got a couple of people that are really fully encumbered and you've got other people that are not, so, <laughs> you know, what's the old saying? I don't have to be the fastest, I just have to be faster than you. Well, that, that probably applies here, too. So then that brings us to a logical question. What if the PCs are pursuing? What if the PCs and a monster have an encounter and the monsters decide to run based on the reaction check and the PCs say, hey, we're gonna chase them down. Pretty much the same thing. Uh, Look at the speed difference, look at the situation and base it on a monster reaction check. Now here though, uh, it's not up to the dice whether the uh, pursuit is going to be broken off. It's really going to be up to the PCs. Do they wish continue to continue or not? And here, then, I'm probably going to go to the rules as written and look at you know what's the amount of separation, what is you know the likelihood that they did evade and so on, so that uh, you know because it's not up to me if the pursuit continues, it's up to the PCs. So so I stick to the rules as written in that case. So that's a lot that we've talked about. And just to sum up and to answer the question from DasBeerJuden31, for me, Pursuit and Evasion are a mini game. I will Run it when, as the rules are written, when the situation lends itself to that. Um, Ultimately though, the mini game is just about the speed of the parties and what's the situation that they they find themselves in. And I think if you keep that in the back of your head, this won't be as complex as maybe it might seem. Um, Just remember that outdoor evasion is an hourly check. You know, you're gonna check to see if evasion happens, and if not, then you can consider using monster reaction and the speed difference to ultimately decide if the monsters are going to continue pursuing or if they're going to break off pursuit. Indoor evasion is more of a round-by-round combat situation. So every round that pursuit is happening, I'm going to be tracking that out. But here again, it's about what's the monster's reaction to the situation. Um, how far they go and how far can they see and if there's any speed difference and any physical obstacles to you know dictate whether the pursuit continues or not all right that's it so what do you think how have you handled pursuit and invasion i'd really like to hear back from you Thank you to my listeners for stopping by. Thank you to those who are on the stream checking this out. I hope you've had uh, fun. I know these are hard times, and I hope my little podcast helps to bring you a little bit of distraction and fun. Maybe, you know, take, take your mind off of uh, being sheltering in place, as well as continuing to give you some insights on how ad works. If you'd like to leave a comment or feedback, you can contact me through a voicemail message or an online voice message. Uh, I'll leave the different ways to do that in the show notes. Coming up next in future uh, episodes, I'm going to be talking about illusions. I have an illusionist in my campaign now, and we did Phantasmal Force for the first time, and it was a very interesting situation. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you, as well as... Uh, Looking at Unearthed Arcana, I think I might bite the bullet and read the book, and you will get to listen to me going through it section by section, and I'll share with you my thoughts and comments and how badly I think it's broken. All right, that's it. Until next time, game on. Hi, everyone. Just a quick addendum to this episode that you just listened to, and thanks for listening you may have noticed a constant pounding sound in the recording. I apologize. I was uh, trying something new. I had a different setup and my Yeti microphone is ridiculously sensitive and apparently I'm not allowed to touch the table that it's mounted on. So I apologize for that. We'll figure it out and get it right next time. I tried to filter it out as best I could. Anyway, that's about it. Thanks a lot again. Game on.